welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm marathon swimmer and coach, Shannon Keegan. When I heard about and saw pictures of Jamie Monaghan's 70-kilometer swim the length of Lake Geneva in 2015, I started researching the possibility Then I came to find out I was pregnant in early 16, so plans shifted, to say the least. So when Jamie reached out to me a little over a month ago, offering to relive her 2015 swim with Arik and Tim of the Lake Geneva Swimming Association, I was ecstatic. It's no small feat to prop up a huge swim for marathon swimmers. And in 2015, this was a stretch for even Jamie. Her longest swim prior was only half the distance. And solo crewman Arik faced no small task in supporting her for more than 30 hours. Everything about this swim enchants me. I'm trying to find a way to get my family to Geneva so I can find my way across the pristine alpine waters. Enjoy this trip back in time as Jamie, Tim, and Arik generously share their experiences with us. see where to start I was thinking Jamie did a nice little blurb too um, but maybe you could just kind of set the stage I'm curious what came first whether it was the LGSA or whether it was uh, Jamie's idea to swim all the way across Lake Geneva okay set the stage for us Jamie (laughs) I I can tell from my perspective but I know Tim was uh, part of the founding of it so would love to hear the parallel experiences but Um, I had done a a few different marathon swims, gotten into ice swimming, was looking for a new challenge. And kind of randomly, I received an email from the English Channel Swimmers Group saying, hey, there's this new swim in Geneva and Switzerland. It's in a beautiful lake. Here's the distance. And I was like, hmm. And I started to Google around and just looked at pictures of the um, location and just the surrounding water and the landmarks along the way. And I was like, okay, the distance is 42 miles, 70 kilometers. That's kind of scary, but it looks like it would be worth it. Got my adrenaline going. So that's my perspective, but this was not a, a this was not my idea. You know, t- Tim and Ben were, were the, the visionaries of the whole thing. So I was just happy to be along for the ride. What was your longest distance prior to this? Uh, I think like 20 or 25 miles. Just normal, like, swims. Okay, so it's a big jump. So we're talking 20, it was 42 in miles, 70 kilometers, right? Okay, so Tim, what's your perspective? (laughs) Maybe introduce yourself a little too. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Thanks very much, Shannon. Yeah, um, I'm Tim. I'm the chairman of the Lake Geneva Swimming Association. And, yeah, um, kind of a crazy idea. Ben Barham was, um, um, we were very good school friends. Um, and um, our whole swimming story started because he said, I've got this idea to swim across the channel. And I thought, that's crazy. That'll never happen. And, um, and so he said, you know, do you want to be part of the team? And eventually it really did happen and um, had a, an amazing impact on him and really a big impact on me and um, open water swimming. That's how we discovered it, really. And we kept in touch uh, over the years. And then a few years later, he got in touch with me and he said, um, 
I've got this idea for for swimming uh, for a swim across Lake Geneva in Switzerland. And uh, you know, you're you're kind of switched on, and you speak a bit of French. And do, do you think you could help out? And I didn't really know what I was getting into. I said, Yeah, of course, no problem. I'm always up for new things, and uh, sounded exciting. And um, that's really how it started. So it was um i think a friend of his wanted to do a swim or was talking about the idea of swimming and a big swim in a lake and he said well you know he, he'd done a lot of mentoring for other people younger people at our school um for swimming the channel so he mm. had a really good way of helping swimmers to achieve their their dream and he kind of transferred that from the channel to to lake geneva and um so obviously there's a lot of logistics involved there was a language thing and so i think that's where really my help came in was to kind of um go there find meet people and kind of um put something together <laughs> so um when did you get in touch with jamie uh you'll have to help me with this jamie i think um ben, <laughs> a ben while back. it was 2014 I think it was um I don't know if Jamie got in touch with Ben or the other way around um and um then I just heard um you know Ben said oh we've got this this American who's thinking of doing the swim you know it's, uh, it's a big deal swimming deal and um thought okay so we'll give it a go um but um I think that was back in 2014. Okay okay so then um trying to figure out where to dive into, you know, Jamie's perspective or the logistics, because there's so many interesting pieces, but we've got plenty of time and we're, and we're in it. So talk a little bit about the logistics, Timothy. We'll come back to Jamie and how she prepared and things like that a little later. So logistically, well, the, how I, do you coordinate something like a 70 kilometer swim across a freshwater it's, lake? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a big challenge. Um, the, the first thing to think is on average uh, to swim the, the lake, it takes about 30 hours uh in relay or in solo um and so already you're talking about um you know uh, an overnight that's guaranteed um mm. which is not always the case you know some really quick channel swimmers they'll be done in you know 12 hours and and so maybe they get a bit of darkness but they're not swimming all the way through the night and into the next day and that that's always a given with this swim so that's already when you're talking about supporting the swimmer you need to think, okay, well, you're not going to have one guy driving right. the boat for the whole right. 30 hours. So you're going to need, you know, relay teams of um, skippers and of observers. All the safety, you need to think of doubling up and to make sure that you've got people on, you know, uh, who are switched on and, and, and working throughout swim. So to make sure the swim is properly supported. Um, and... Um, then obviously um, start an endpoint from one end of the lake to the other. But when we finish Switzerland, because typically is uh, on the east side of the lake, called uh, Castle, beautiful old castle, very historic, very beautiful. And um, the little beach just which makes for a photo start if you like and um, then when you swim across there's a kind of an imaginary line through the middle of the lake and you'll dip into France and then come back out to Switzerland on the other side and you get to very famous Bandipaki in Geneva which is this public um, bathing area 
which has been around for yonks. And um, so you've always got swimmers around who are uh, eager to welcome you as you arrive and they think, where have you come from? Uh, it's quite funny. Um, and um, so, yeah, also, I mean, from a swimmer's perspective, they've got to find accommodation um, and then they've got to travel to the start as well. Good thing is in Switzerland, the, uh, the public transport is very good and the trains are very good. It's very well connected. So, I mean, Jamie can talk more about that, but it's pretty straightforward. Um, and then um, also the, um, in terms of weather, right? Because um, you have the same thing for a lot of these uh, big swimming challenges and in the channel, you know, people talk about the tides and the windows. Um, we don't have the tides so much, but um, you certainly do get um, people underestimated. I think you get some pretty, um, pretty, pretty rough weather and it can be quite sudden because you've got this big lake in the middle surrounded by mountains. You've got the Jura Mountains to the north. You've got the Alps to the south. And so you can get these very small kind of um, microclimates and um, sudden winds which whip up and can completely change uh, the conditions. So um, having a good weather window, um, and it's not just for one area, right? Because they often talk about the lake in, in three parts. They talk mm -hmm. about the Orlek, which is the, if you like, the high lake right on the eastern side. Then you've got uh, Le Grand Lac, which is the big lake right in the middle, which is the, the largest body. Um, and then you've got the Pitilac, which is a small lake, and that tends to be the bit which is kind of like the finger at the end towards Geneva. Mm -hmm. And actually, Jamie can talk about, you know, mentally how you divide up the swim into these three chunks. They, they do the same geographically. So, you know, you've got to think about the weather conditions for all of these different parts of the, the swim, all of these different parts of the lake, um, as the swim progresses. So typically... Um, like in the channel, you know, was having a weather window um, and then kind of looking at the forecast a couple of days in advance and then saying, okay, we think we've got a good window and let's go for it. So I can't fly in tomorrow and you can't necessarily just take me the next day. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I got to plan you, to stay you can for try. <laughs> you can certainly try. And I'm sure, and I think people have done it, but it's, um, you're certainly winging it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess um, just if people are unfamiliar with long swims, uh, I just it, it is interesting, like reminding people about get, getting to the start. Like you just kind of like you're so focused on swimming. I just remember when I did Lake Tahoe, I forgot that it was going to be like a two hour drive to the start. And that's only 21 miles. So here we're talking 42 miles. It's a big deal. But fortunately, you guys have good public transportation in Europe. So that's great. Um, yeah, I will so, say the trains were actually really convenient. Yeah. Uh, the train, we stayed in Geneva, found a nice little spot, and uh, in the morning, you know, it's the trains run right on schedule. So we were there, found a nice little coffee shop to kind of relax and uh, get, collect our thoughts, and then uh, off to the water. Yeah. Tell us, tell us a little bit about, so, so you get this idea, what you decide you're going to swim longest you've ever swam. What is, what do you do next, Jamie? <laughs> yeah. And this was in, I think like February, the, the, the same year of the swim, one of the benefits of being with a new organization, uh, there's not, you know, years long waiting list, which right. is awesome. 
but also training, you know, I guess I didn't really have too much time to overthink it, which was really nice. Um, one thing that was important for me was that I almost all my long swims had been in salt water, mm. not fresh water. So it was really important for me to get a really nice long fresh water swim in. Um, so I ended up doing the end wet um, river swim in the United States, it's about 36 miles, but it's with the current. So uh, it's kind of like muddy fresh water, probably visually the opposite of right. Lac Leman, but um, you know, a really good preparation to get some fresh water training. And I know people coming from different backgrounds, you know, salt water can be very different than fresh water. Um, I always say the salt water is harder on your skin. You get a lot more chafing, but you're a little bit more buoyant and supported in the water. So the swimming is easier. Mm -hmm. um, I love lake swimming. It's really, you know, you don't chafe, you don't rub your sun cream off as much, but this swimming is actually harder. You have to kick, you have to, you know, have core strength. So, um, so that was my main training. And then other than that long swims and, you know, I do a lot of pool swimming, uh, which is important for me because I think just to build interval strength and training it is the big thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really didn't have an idea of what it was like and flying in <laughs> to um, Geneva on the airplane. Mm -hmm. We're coming in pretty much along the length of the lake. And I'm just like, looking out the window, looking out the window. I'm like, this plane is going 500 miles an hour and it still seems like forever. I'm gonna swim this, but it was, it was crazy. Um, we kind of just did all the necessary things. One thing, Tim, I think I'll never forget is a couple of days before the swim, we all got together and we went grocery shopping to the, the market. Um, we, you know, kind of bought all the things. And I, I think I was trying to press all this food on you and Ben, like, hey, guys, I don't want you to be hungry. And you're like, no, no. We I remember that. We're like, Jamie, why are you so concerned about us? Like, you're swimming. It's going to be fine. Like, we'll be it's going to take a really long time. And I want you to be well fed and comfortable. <laughs> That's an important point, though. It's very important to, to, to make True. sure your, your crew has everything that they need to be comfortable, because who knows how long it will take. Okay, keep keep going. So you're at the market. What do you, what's your favorite um, treat that you get for Tim? <laughs> what did we get? A lot of pasta, some pizza. I don't even remember. Yeah, it was kind of one pot, easy stuff. You know, pasta sauces, pot noodle, that kind of. You know, your typical. What are typical the facilities food. on the boat for um, pre preparing food? Tell us a little we bit had, about that. We had. The little fruits. It was uh, we made a package uh, and, uh, and uh, very uh, oh, uh, I think you're breaking up a bit, Tim. Yeah, yeah I was just gonna... oh yeah, he's frozen. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was saying um, I don't know how far you got, but yeah, definitely not oak cuisine. That's not um, as uh, my skills do not stretch that far. <laughs> but um, yeah, some, you know, simple pasta dishes and, uh, you know, with a sauce, something like that. Yeah. What was the facilities on the boat for preparing food for crew and for Jamie as well for the swimmer? It was a little cuisinette thing, like a couple of hobs, you know, like a gas burner thing. Okay. Okay, great. What... So, yeah, it was, it was down in the fridge as well. Yeah. Okay, good. This, this was like a beautiful sailboat. It was fantastic. Like it was yeah. very well equipped, multiple sleeping cabins, 
shower, kitchenette. So yeah, I was more focused on having hot water heating. I don't really eat food, but uh, it's such a benefit to have that so people can actually get asleep. And um, I do believe, Tim, now you have different options for different boats. So your mileage may vary and you can kind of select according to your preferences. I, I saw a relay team the year after I did it, did this beautiful, again, ridiculous, glamorous yacht boat and had like catering spreads of like wine and cheese and champagne at the finish. So uh, you can maybe if you're cost savings mode, you can have lower cost options. Or if you really want to splash out and make it a once in a lifetime thing, you know, talk to Tim and Yaisa, they'll they'll hook you up with whatever you need. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So can, we, you... can, can we ask questions or? Oh, yeah. we'll, have, we'll do a little bit of Q&A maybe at the end. I just want to get oh, okay. a little bit more pers perspective. Okay, Thanks, cool. Moaz. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I meant to set that stage in the beginning. I apologize. <laughs> so, Tim, when you were first getting organized, did you have pilots running to you? They're like, I want to drive the swimmer across the lake. Or did you have to go pull up, pull their teeth to get them to come out? What was that like? <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite. They're running away. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was afraid of. I think <laughs> Um, you know, the, the great thing about the channel is you've got this, um, this great long tradition um, and people kind of just, it's, it's something that happens. Um, and so we were really going somewhere new where this wasn't, there wasn't the same uh, mindset, there wasn't the same tradition or culture. And, um, and you're talking with um, French, with Swiss, it's... Um, it's um, it's definitely different, I think. Um, and always starting from scratch. It's a new idea. Uh, you've got to kind of get people's head around that they're, they're actually swimming the whole way across. I mean, what? Right. Why? Like, why would they want to do that? It's um, but um, you know, once you 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 hang around enough and you start banging enough doors, you you, know, you eventually find someone and or you find some people and um they're willing to help out yeah yeah um what's the tell us what um well first of all there's like lake geneva like lac Lamont, same thing right just for the <laughs> i always go by this this can get very yeah yeah very well, let's do touchy. it let's do it because well, no. if i want to approach <laughs> somebody it. about swimming i want to call it the right lake <laughs> i mean go in English if I'm speaking in English to an English speaking person I always talk about Lake Geneva because um, that's how we call it um, and then French speaking I call I'd speak about uh, Le Léman because Léman um, I think Lacus Lemanus I think it was um, they were talking about that in Roman times um, and um, the word Léman the root of it has an implication of lake already okay. so you can actually not not just geneva and limar but you can also get well is it limon or is it lac limon mm -hmm. and some people say well lac limon is a tautology you know it's, it's the lake lake kind of thing so um but that's i think getting quite splitting <laughs> hairs so i think that if you if you're talking about lac limon i think it's fine um and um I know the name has changed kind of, you know, the, if it's been talking about Limon or, or Lake Geneva, it's changed a little bit over, over the century. Even if you talk about uh, Le Limon. Um, and what is the activity like in, oh, so what month were we doing this swim? August. You in August, August Jamie? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
so what's is it i mean what's the kind of activity on the lake i'm just comparison you know like that's just kind of an important thing to plan for right is if there's a bunch of people speed boating around and you have a swimmer in the water oh yeah i mean there's lots of stuff um you know people um apart from locals a lot of people they have a uh, summer getaway there i think schumacher a place there freddie mercury a place there um, you know shelly and they used to go there it was uh, always been a great popular destination for the summer swimming you didn't do that much of it and now it's just it's or did you do that i got to I think you're back now okay okay i was saying um yeah that um stand-up paddle boarding has exploded as well recently and you know you get um all sorts of um a lot of sailing a lot of paddle boarding a lot of um swimming as well now and every year a bit more as well we're working hard on that right. so um yeah it's it's great a really really good summer spot yeah um i'm just thinking like when we do when they do tahoe here in the u.s they have you swim like at night partly because the lake is so busy during the day is that something i mean but you're talking about a 30 hour plus swim so and you're inevitably going to be part doesn't of the matter when you start night, right <laughs> okay like it's more about the weather window is that it uh, and definitely and also i'd say it's big yeah okay from from the crew perspective like i'm always checking out jamie make sure there's not a lot of boats or kite surfers or other weird stuff around uh and as tim just said you know it is big there's lots of room for people to navigate around you everyone seemed quite respectful which was good uh, i think when you get closer to actual geneva and that's where it starts to pick up a little bit you just get a little bit more congested but even then you know i think the boats did a great job sort of keeping us safe and everyone was very respectful giving everyone a nice flight birth yeah yeah and, were... and the other thing we we do i was going to say um we um make sure that everyone's informed um what's going on so we we tell them um with a lot of notice because uh, you've got a lot of different um you've got french side of the lake you've got the swiss side of the lake and then you've got the different canton uh, as well it's not just one um region if you like or one county that there's there's a couple of different ones so they all have to be informed as well so you know we we make sure that the right people know um the right information so that um you know often we we might get the police coming out towards the end as a little kind of salute and that's nice as well because you get a bit of extra extra support yeah yeah do you recommend a kayaker with a swimmer as well as a boat or just a boat is adequate had both uh we've had swimmers who like a kayaker um swimmers who haven't it's either or i think it's uh, a lot down to the preference of the swimmer yeah we didn't have one when jamie did it and uh looking back i would have liked to have one for the night so if i had thought about it or been on top of my game i would have brought a little kayak and and done some at the night (laughs) because She drifts on occasion when it's dark Fall out. Sleep or something, yeah. <laughs> we didn't have the Oru back then. Actually, our first encounter with the Oru was, I think, the following summer also on Le Mans, which is amazing. But yeah, these guys are in touch. We're in touch with French authorities, the Swiss authorities, kind of constantly because it doesn't really just go from one country to the other. Like, you know, for, for example, the English Channel you actually zigzag between countries you kind of re-enter a few times and you know dealing with the other you know areas it's 
it's crazy. But Tim is a very skilled negotiator. I think one of my other standout memories of kind of prepping for the swim was once we got all of those groceries and all the water and everything and had <laughs> shopping carts full of with food, we we kind of rolled up to Bandapaki, which is a very fashionable shopping area, beautiful cafes, all these amazing looking people, you know, just having their, you know, coffee or their cocktail on the lake. We kind of roll up shopping carts. And we, <laughs> Tim talks the owner of the cafe into letting us basically hang out there and just like wait on the dock for the boat come come and pick all of our supplies up so you know he's very good at kind of navigating those situations uh which is you know definitely something that made things a lot easier for us because I think otherwise we would have been bringing the groceries with us <laughs> on the public train and you know. swimming them out of the boat something horrible <laughs> that's great yeah that's it's good to have a skilled negotiator <laughs> in charge of, of your swim so we're back to groceries you're on the dock You've had your cafe relaxing by the water. What happens next? Well, before that, it's probably important to mention that, yes, it was so easy in terms of the amazing Swiss transport system and the railways and these amazing facilities. But then you have the humans involved and the kind of whole evening before Arik and I didn't sleep a wink. We both were kind of laying in bed like I think we were stressed out. Um, I remember just these really annoying pillows. You were, the sheets were too. <laughs> yes, I believe one time someone rolled over thing. and the other one went, uh, you're making too much noise in the sheets. <laughs> keep me awake. So there's lots of nerves, but. Uh... Yeah, that's an important part too about, about these big swims is you, as much as everyone's like, oh, rest before, rest before. It is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually pretty good. And, and I will say for anybody listening, the most important night of sleep, you if you've done triathlons and things like this, you know that is actually the one two nights before rather than the immediate day because often you're getting up at the crack of dawn anyway. So, you know, but yeah, this was unusual for me in terms of that. So, so yeah, it was good that the railway system was smooth because I think otherwise we wouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've got us, uh, you're not rested, <laughs> but you've got your food. You've had your time at the cafe before the lake what happens next <laughs> so we got picked up at the dock at this cute little you know dock and got brought over to Chateau Chion and there's a great little beach and kind of did our usual thing we're pretty well-oiled machine in terms of you know strip down get the sunblock on get ready cap goggles jump in swim to the beach and the start of this swim I can't stress it enough google some pictures you know, it's this historic, amazing chateau all around the first third of the lake. You see these beautiful vineyards, little towns, everything is just gorgeous. And, you know, the water um, towards the middle of the lake, and I think we'll talk about some of the shorter swims later too in Evian, is, you know, it's the it's the water that Avion water is made from. It's the clearest and cleanest in the world. We could have probably even skipped bringing water and, and just drank from the lake. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so you, what did, what time of day did you end up starting? Uh, it's probably around like 8am or so, okay. which was a good, yeah, it was nice. Mm -hmm. And the train takes about maybe like an hour. You change at Lausanne and then you go kind of up, but it's just very smooth and quick. Yeah. Nice. 
Okay. So how are you feeling when you first get into the water? It's beautiful, of course, but are you nervous? Are you, <laughs> this oh, yeah. is your longest swim ahead of you and you, and you flew over it and you were just like, it's never ending. So how does that go? <laughs> yeah. I, I think I always get really nervous beforehand. And then once I'm in the water, I feel good. It's familiar. You know, that's when you can kind of just let go of everything and, you know, focus on the moment. Any funny stories from the boat? <laughs> I was going to say, at that point, it's just me constantly worrying. I think she's always in a nice mindset and ready to swim, and it's just me worrying nonstop for 33 hours. But uh, I, I do recall meeting Tim and Ben, and they're like, all right, so where's your crew? And I'm like, here. <laughs> they're like, no, the rest of your crew. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's just me. Uh, and I don't think they were excited to hear that. And having, having gone through all of the hours awake, uh, I would certainly say, at least two people i don't know they want a whole lot of people because uh sometimes it gets to be too much of a party and you're not paying attention to the swimmer but two to three would, would probably be good and uh take all the cooking duties and everything off tim and, and ben who kept me fed which was so nice and uh it's it's a beautiful swim the whole way you know it does keep on changing i think uh what they were saying earlier about breaking it up and sort of checkpoints, uh, just as Tim described, you know, there really is those three portions of the lake that we wound up breaking it up into. And we were thinking that it was going to be around the same amount of time for each, because even though that last bit is the shortest, that's when you're most tired. tired so right. going fast. So we tried to put our model in where it was like, we're going to start off at X speed. We'll probably drop down to here and then down to there. Uh, and that was a nice way to gauge if she's, you know, keeping on track the way we think she will, uh, as well if her stroke is still going well. And just an overall sense of, yes, we're doing, you know, what, what we projected. Uh, it's a little bit of, I don't know, positive safety in that, I guess, in one's mind. Mm -hmm. And what was it like for you having this, you just meet these people, they're about to swim across the lake, Tim. What are you, <laughs> what's it like for you? Yeah, you know, I don't... Honestly, I don't think I've ever met um, a more cool customer, honestly. Uh, you know, <laughs> Jamie and Eric turned up and they were like, it was, I remember meeting uh, you guys for the first time outside the hotel and um, I think a day or two before, I think it was before the groceries. And um, Jamie's like, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. We'll see how it is. Yeah, we've 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 thought about the plan and everything. We've got and we kind of think, okay, you know, any more questions? Like, you sh you're not nervous? Not at all. Like, totally ice cold. Uh, <laughs> Eric did the whole shift. I would not recommend that. You know, I would not wish that on anyone to to do the whole thing on your own. It was, uh, you know, superhuman, and um, and not once did um, was there any kind of. Um, doubt that she was going to make it at least not in my mind um i thought these guys have got it down you know um it looked really really confident and i think just the planning and the preparation was so good um that it really really helped um i just uh, i remember the 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 one episode i remember is um i think in that last final section and jamie's kind of looking at eric for a feed and saying how long is left and Eric is, you know, very, very, um, you know, not, not putting in numbers, not saying, you know, just keep going, you're getting there. And Sammy's kind of like, just, just, <laughs> just tell me how long we've got left kind of thing. And Eric's like being dramatic, diplomatic, like keep going, you're doing great, we're almost there. Because that last bit, I think it's worth stressing, just goes on forever. Because the jet d'eau, 
very famous jet d'eau in, uh, in Geneva. It's, you know, an extremely tall um, water fountain. You can see it for miles and you think, oh, it's, it's around the corner. And you've got so much longer to go. It just, it just takes forever. So I think it can be um, often that last bit, that last third is where it can be really, really tough mentally. Um, and uh, you've got a lot longer than you feel you have. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like for you mentally, Jamie? Was it just a walk in the park? <laughs> no, no. And one thing I would mention is, I don't know if it's always the same and obviously wind is subject to change and that can affect surface currents and things, but I've seen just with observing that area more than other parts of the lake, it does seem to be higher wind and usually in the opposite direction coming in that way. Uh, so I would say, you know, the same thing is for me when I'm in the last 10% of the swim, I switch from being in the moment to being, okay, when am I done? Which is, but yeah, I think you can see the jet d'eau like probably from 12 or 15 miles away. Um, yeah. So it really, and then kind of that in combination with it getting a lot rockier and it just felt, I think the other thing was, this was so new at the time. I think we actually thought that there was a bit of a current flow mm. through the lake that would assist um, that, it, you know, at the time we didn't know. Um, but I think at the time I was like, where's this current, you know, but um, yeah, just kind of anything. And you guys probably are familiar the swimmers on here. Anytime where you're seeing bridges or looking at a landmark, it just never seems to get closer. So never. just don't even bother. I mean, the jet is beautiful. So yes, look at it, but don't look at it as a marker of where, <laughs> if you're getting anywhere or not. Right. And I don't usually ask how far do I have to go? So it was really, <laughs> I think the other thing is I slowed way down too at the end, um, just because I had never done that before. So, right. um. Yeah, I remember the last bit, specifically, specifically the last maybe 10K or so, you, it got a bit choppy, if you I remember that. Yeah. How do you get through that, Jamie, when it gets, it gets hard like that? Just put my head down. I, I've had other situations too with wind or, you know, with currents where you might be feeling great one moment, you might be feeling horrible one moment, but you know, just if you hang in there a little bit longer, unless you're injured or there's some danger, like just keep going, see if it changes, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's a, the, you're not the first person to say like it, they, you make it seem so easy to just get to the other side of it, but when you're in it, <laughs> is it, an, is it, is it hard for you when you're in it? <laughs> you know, you'll get through it, but. Yeah, that's where I, you know, I just had never done anything like that physically. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, like, I felt like, you know, I, I usually kick and I, I have a very, like, holistic stroke. So I don't tend to get chafed or anything like that. But I remember my, my forearms felt really stiff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was just from working harder in the fresh water. So towards the end of that, um, yeah, I, I did feel it on my body more than it comes to that date. But it's the distance. It's just water temperature it's the fresh yeah water. what was the water temperature I don't think we oh it was that. perfect it was like 22 degrees celsius 70 plus fahrenheit oh. um in the night it got a bit cold um Arik is usually very nice and he'll he always wears this orange t-shirt not this one <laughs> for swims but in the night he'll actually put his clothes on underneath it so I may not notice that he's I always notice but um visually it's not as much of a cue like oh they all put their jackets on but yeah in the evening and the night it was cold yeah I try and mess with their head pretty much <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
<laughs> whatever it takes to keep her going, right? Mm-hmm. So what's, what was that experience like for you, Ark? It's her longest swim ever. How do you stay in it for 30, 33 hours? Is that what we talked about? Yeah, and I'd love to say that I did stay in it for 33 hours. But <laughs> there was definitely a part where uh, the sun came up, and there's just beautiful houses, beautiful space all over this lake. And I'm staring at one house and I think it was Ben sitting next to me. And I'm like, wow, that house is just stunning. A little bit goes by. I'm like, wow, look at that house. That house is just, and it looks just like the other one. He just lets me go with it. He's not giving me a hard time. About another five minutes go by and I'm like, I can't believe it. They like, they build the same house three times before finally he breaks my heart. He's like, yeah, that's the same house, man. <laughs> Wow. So definitely recommend having two people because you get a little loopy if you stay up the whole time. Um, but there's there's just so much going on. You know, I'm always counting your stroke, uh, making up the next feeds, making sure things are warm. Uh, I try and track distance between feeds. So I see if things are staying on, on um, sort of what our goals are. So for me, I'm, I'm moving around a whole bunch. And certainly it's great, you know, having Tim and Ben support everything that we have going on. And I think they saw me not eating or drinking or doing anything. So they usually don't do that. I mean, just a, a bundle of nerves. And they were kind enough to force food uh, upon me, which was actually quite good. So although you're saying you're not a good uh, one-pot chef, Tim, I disagree. It was fantastic. <laughs> That's great. Um, was there any, just being your longest swim to date at the time, was there any, I mean, we talked a little bit about just, you know, like the looking when you don't usually look and like needing to keep going and it being a little choppy, but was there any other kind of hard parts that you encountered? Yeah. I mean, I think just in the night, actually for me, one, one thing that was really unusual about this was that, um, Tim and Ben graciously asked me, do you mind if we share your tracker and you know, let people know you're doing this because it's a new organization. And of course, anyone who knows me, everything in my head rebelled against that. But I'm like, it's a new organization. We want to promote it. I feel good about it. So that was extremely nerve wracking to me just mm-hmm. because, I, I don't know, I, I'm still not a big fan of it. But um, one of the nicest things about that was in the night when it got cold, um, the boys would read some messages to me from people who were replying to <laughs> things. One of them was from Molly Nance, uh, who's on the call today. And Eric said, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, that's Trudy's mom, uh, which is Trudy is her dog. But uh, and then he knew right away who it was. But, uh, getting those messages, it was nice. And, you know, it made us feel like we were connected to the greater community of swimmers, which is nice. Yeah. Okay. And then I think the one thing that I never heard you say before in any of your swims, where, where I think we must have finished at this point. But she's like, it was the strangest thing. The longer it went on, the more I just wanted to touch something. Yeah. Like I wanted to be able to reach down to the bottom of the lake and just put my hands in, in soil so I could have that tactical feeling. I never heard her say that before. So I think it's kind of an interesting. Yeah. I never felt that before. I think it was something about feeling so stiff and, you know, being I just so unused to the sensation. But yeah, so um, and actually another funny thing was um, our friends that we had met, we ran a Uh, running marathon in Antarctica and we had met these amazing Swiss runners and they would travel all around the world to and they actually were based in Geneva and um, a town that was kind of halfway across the lake so um, in the morning one of our friends actually came out on his little kayak and kind of had his coffee and chit-chatted a little bit and that was really fun Um, and then at the finish line we were greeted not just by these 
gorgeous bathers kind of getting suntans and I come out like a monster covered in white sunscreen uh, but also by our friends and they came right to Band of Becky. they were on the steps um, Tim and Ben had arranged a photographer for the local news that actually captured when I saw you know this amazing group of you know friends that were here to see us finish and that was such a special moment as well so just you know the look on my face it's funny because I have like pictures of me like I'm like holding my arms up like in <laughs> happiness and like he's making me like pose for photos in front of the jet dough and things like that and, you know again these are things that I don't really ever do but it was really fun because it was so different and so new but yeah that's great I just wanted to touch on the uh, the social media thing because I've had resistance to that too but that definitely helped me get through when I did Lake Mint for Magog just hearing the little reports so it's 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 nerve-wracking to let people know what you're up to but it is really heartwarming to get those messages and know that people are kind of cheering you on from wherever they're at so I wanted to mention that but I also want to say that the second I heard that you did this I immediately looked into it <laughs> I was like all right I gotta go to Lake Geneva um so that thinks a good segue to Tim, tell us about all the different offerings that you guys have at the LGSA now. Yeah, we started with the signature swim, we call it, which is the 70 kilometers from Chillon to Paquis. And um, then we thought this is um, kind of a long swim. And <laughs> <Kind of. laughs> wouldn't it be nice to have something that, you know, is a little bit more accessible? So um, I was looking around with the idea to do a shorter swim and stumbled across an event um, that used to be organized by the Olympic Committee. Uh, it was a swim between Lausanne and Evian. So Lausanne is on the north side of the lake in Switzerland, and Evian is um, its beautiful little spa town on the French side in the south. And so you go from top to bottom, it's uh, about 13 kilometers uh, straight swim. And um, this was on the World Cup circuit for a um, couple of you know couple, from, from about 87 until i think 2003 um and then um it's they didn't do it anymore so then um you know we thought well this is quite a i i, I liked it because it was a point to point you know it was it was still a crossing of the lake um and there was a, a real element of adventure to it and on top of that there was this history behind it it was a swim that used to happen on the lake um, and it doesn't happen anymore. And wouldn't it be great to bring it back? And not just for pros, but for everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, in 2017, we had the inaugural uh, classique, we called it, because um, reading one of the old, actually, uh, Jack is a great one to speak to about this. Um, when, um, when Jack came to swim with us in, uh, in Lake Geneva, we got talking about the uh, classique. And he said, yeah, you know, I've done that swim. I said, really? Said, yeah, yeah, I, I did that swim, you know, back in 92, I think it was. And, um, and he showed me some photos of, uh, of all of the, um, the content, you know, the letter, signed letter from the president of the Olympic Committee, signed letter from the, the mayor of Lausanne. Um, really, really amazing bits of history. And, um, and they in their message to the swimmers, they refer to it as this classique traversé. And I thought, what a great name. And... Um, and so we, we called it the classic and um, yeah, we had our first one in 2017 um, and that was super popular. People really, really loved that. Um, it was um, quite a good distance because there's a lot of 10K swims, um, maybe river swim or around some boys. But this was, um, 
that added thing of you know you're, you're crossing the lake and you can yeah. you can see the shore on the far side and the amount of people who came to me afterwards and said I've always dreamed of doing this. I mean, I've dreamed of doing this swim and I've never been able to do it. And finally, you know, I've been able to do it with you guys and just like, I'll never forget it. People in tears when they arrive at the finish, so, tears of joy. I might add. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, it was really, really it, it's, it stuck with me uh, because there is something about that, that journey and that, um, that, that sense of adventure, you know, you're going from one side to the other. Um, oh Yeah. I think that was just, I mean, I want to, I want you to tell us more about what it is, but I just want to, I guess, A, say thank you for offering that, especially for like the average person. I feel like it's so, as a, as a swim coach, it's so important for me to like help people just realize, you know, what they're capable of. Cause I think it, I mean, it inspires them to do more and I don't know. So I, that's, that's like my personal mission, but, but being able to have swims that we can do that aren't just for pro elite level people that any putty can go sign up for those so that they can have that experience. And, and I just have to say for me personally, I think the first lake I like swam all the way across, was only five miles, <laughs> but to look back and not, even just not to be able to see the other shore, cause it's around the corner. And when you walk up and people are like, where did, where did you go? Where did you swim from? And you're like, oh, the other side. Like, I just think that's the, uh, the most amazing feeling. So thank you for offering that. <laughs> it is, it, it totally is. And, and for me, uh, it's, uh, it was a bit of a gamble cause, um, you know, I said to Ben, I've got this idea for a shorter, more accessible swim. And he thought, well, you know, give it a go don't know we, we, we weren't really sure how people were going to respond to it if it was going to work and um we had i think 16 or 17 people that first year in 2017 and obviously we did something right because um you know we had more than double the next year and then you know more than three times the next year so it was um really great swim great swim and um so we we offer the signature and the classic and then um, we very recently launched uh, the Escape Le Mans. And the Escape Le Mans was along the same lines, was um, 13 kilometers. is less than 70, but it's still quite long. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And we wanted to get, um, you know, people, um, we wanted to be inclusive. We, we wanted to kind of uh, um, offer something for, for as many people as possible. And so we thought, okay, how do we do this and still maintain everything that we love, which is adventure and um, traverses and that sense of journey and the sense of beauty and awe that you get around the other swims. And doing a bit of research came across um, um, the Alcatraz triathlon, I think, where mm -hmm. they jump off this beautiful old paddle steamer um, and they swim back to shore. And I thought, oh, my God, we, we have to do it. And um, we found, um, I found a guy who runs this association and they have these beautiful, beautiful old barges. And I don't know if you know the history of around Geneva, but um, a lot of Geneva city was built using granite uh, rather stones from um, quarries on the Eastern side. And um, there was a lot of trade of uh, all sorts of goods that happened back and forth along the lake. And to do that, they had these big, big barges. Um, and you imagine uh, the typical boat you might see on, on the Nile. It's got these lanteen sails, the, the big kind of V sails that go up like two gull wings. Um, that's a particular style of sail. And they have um, the same style, but huge, I mean, big, big boats. Um, with Bakunis, who were the people who were the crew on these boats. 
you know, tra shifting people and goods up and down the lake. There were lots of these boats. Um, and um, they have a replica of one of these boats and they do weddings and touristy things and things like that. And we basically got an agreement with them to do uh, an event using their boats. So the Escape Le Mans, the idea is that you get on the boat, you sail out to the middle of the lake, and then you jump off the boat and you swim back to shore. That's great. So uh, immediately you've got this beautiful, um, you've got, you're, you're part of the history of the region connected through this boat. And then you also have the luxury that we, we've offered different um, distances because uh, with the boat, you can, you can change the starting point. Yeah. So it means that you can be, um, you know, six kilometers away from the shore. Uh, we've also got 1.5 kilometers or 750 meters, even 200 meters. You know, for people who are total novices, they're completely new to the to open water swimming. They just want to try. Um, so the idea is with the escape, the classic and the signature, you've got kind of a little bit of something for that could appeal to everyone. I love that. Thank you. Thank you again for offering that. That's wonderful. Um, I think that's a good segue to some Q&A. One of the questions in the chat was, is there a time limit for the classic? Yeah, we, I think it was, need to double check. I think it was seven hours. Um, and um, typically, or seven or seven and a half, typically it's been more than enough time for people to get across. Um, you know, the fastest swimmers, uh, we had um, three hours, even just under three hours. And the slowest, we had about seven. Um, and uh, obviously it's just for safety and those kind of things. But um yeah, I think it's around seven or seven and a half. Okay. Um, anybody else want to come off mute and ask any questions for Arik or Jamie or Tim? And I just wanted to call out, we actually have at least two classic swimmers. Uh, Martin Webster won the first one way back when, and then Mark Spratt also did it. Uh, I think he saw the, the finish line for a while too. Uh, and I think we have uh, at least one hopefully future swimmer on the line as well. So... Uh, this is a great group. Uh, yeah, thanks everyone for coming. I appreciate that. I have a question. Yeah, yeah. Hop in there. Hi. Uh, it's for Jamie. Could you please share with us uh, your about your uh, nutrition strategy during all this journey? Like, uh, you know, how much, how, how often, and uh, did you feel like you are bunking a little bit at the end? And what's your strategy? And, yeah, um, I am really boring. I feed strictly on carbohydrate powder. Um, it's just the maltodextrin mix. Um, it's aimed at getting about um, 300 calories in me per hour. And I split that into two 30 minute um, kind of rest periods. Um, I usually mix it with warm water unless the water is very cold, uh, unless the water is very warm. Um, maybe towards the end of a swim at like halfway or later, I'll start to have some caffeinated gels just as a treat. Um, but other than that, I really don't do any solid food. I don't do any like candies. Um, a couple times for, with very, very long swims, I've had um, some ramen noodle broth in the night, but um, that's unusual for me. But, um, and yeah, not many issues. And, you know, you go through highs and lows, um, but if I am feeling tired or I feel like I need more energy, I just drink more or ask for a gel. Um, if I feel like I'm having too many calories, 
I just cut back or just ask for plain water or for the first signature swim too. I do remember I had some times where I think I was taking in too much calories over time. Um, so I asked for black tea. They gave me some flat soda towards the end as well. So um, pretty simple. And I would recommend that being said, that works for me and a lot of other people, but other people really live for peanut butter sandwiches or um, baby food. Just try what you like, um, as long as you're getting the right mix of calories, you know, and that's something that your stomach accommodates. And then the other thing is I do, you know, slightly less um, electrolytes in salt water than in the fresh water. In the fresh water, you may need more electrolyte than in salt water, just because you're not taking it in just through swallowing water accidentally. Yeah, that's a, yeah. And yeah, everything Jamie said is spot on and, and it's very unique for everybody. Cause I know I'm a person who craves real food. I can't, I, after liquid for like three hours, I'm like, give me something to chew. <laughs> so It's different. It's definitely different for everybody. And you got to find out what works for you and also be able to be swift in your feeds because you want to keep swimming. That's why you're there. Um, there was, I want to get to you, Martin, but there's also a question too about too many calories, which I think is an interesting one too, because you can get that kind of bloated feeling and be really uncomfortable. So talk a little bit about how you would know if you're getting maybe too many calories, Jamie. Yeah. I like, for me, I just feel like a little burpy or just like a little like tight in my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just kind of like, don't drink as much of the bottle. Usually I drink a full bottle, but you know, sometimes that's a little bit extra. So I don't really stress out. You don't really stress out if mm-hmm. I don't drink the whole bottle. It's, it's more like if it's a pattern of you're not taking your feeds consistently, I'll usually say verbally, I I do very quick feeds, but I'll usually say verbally as well. Like, Hey, I'm feeling a little full. I'm not going to drink the whole thing just so that they know it's, I've heard stories of swimmers just kind of feeling really ill and being in a bad place and not communicating. Um, So I always try to set their mind at ease with that. Yeah. You know, if she doesn't drink it for like two or three times, then I'll start to get well, little questioning on what's happening down there, but uh, if she's just skipping one or two or just not drinking at all, it's not a big deal. I'm probably more concerned with electrolytes and those things. She hasn't had really issues with cramping previously, so I don't want to give her too many electrolytes uh, and really sort of put her body into shock. So we keep that level pretty low and rely on the goos and those things for a lot of the electrolytes that are coming in. And a big call out for everybody else on the flip side too, for me, I think it's important to communicate if you're not urinating. For me, I'll say, hey, assume I'm I'm good unless I say something. Um, But some people do run into problems where if they're not, so that's something to think about at each feed. Have you peed? Are you feeling okay? Because we've heard of people having some pretty bad problems where they're getting to a situation where they're not. So it's important that your crew know. Yeah. And just in general, that communication, I know for me as just kind of an introvert who just kind of keeps to myself and I don't, I want to make everyone happy. It, I had to uh, like bridge that, like learn that communication and just, just like a cautionary tale to people, like, just be sure, you know, your crew's there. They want to help you. They want you to get to the other side. They want you to succeed. And they probably, especially like someone like Tim, who's taken a bunch of people across the lake, he's got experience helping a lot of people. He might know something that you don't, if you don't communicate, they might not be able to help you, but you know, if you keep it all inside. So, so just, you know, it, communication is very important. Uh, Martin, you had a question? Yeah. Hi, guys. Nice to see some familiar faces. How are you all doing? Hello. A um, couple of questions, if I can. Uh, for for ja- Jamie, um, do you approach the 70K any differently from what you would do for 35K, for example? Or is it pretty much the same? Do, do you adapt anything? I would say pretty much the same, to be really honest. I don't change much. Same swimsuit, same cap, same earplugs. 
the mindset is the same. I've had 10 K swims that feel harder than, you know, uh, the 70 K. So, um, I think with you, um, you know, with you, you're, a, you're a very fast swimmer and you might have to pace yourself a bit more, but for me, unless I'm sprinting in a race in a short swim, I have one pace pretty much. So I was, I was thinking more in respect to your training and your, your, your sort of build up to it. So. That's it. It's a good one. Um, leading up to this, I did train more probably than I had because it was a goal that scared me. Um, but I, have a pretty minimalistic. I think it echoes with Shannon's kind of perspective in terms of not kind of overtraining, not, you know, having mm -hmm. to do the mileage twice in a week and things like that. I like to be more well-balanced and incorporate yoga and weightlifting as mm -hmm. well as the pool training. So I'm not just about a yardage or meters person. Um, I'm not like a meters junkie. So again, you're, you need to do what you need to do to be comfortable with the distance, but I think you're pretty good at that. So I would fun okay. what you've been doing. <laughs> Not a lot at the moment, but um, <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, we're all there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another question is: Do do you go with a, a direction in mind, or are you you're happy to sort of uh, switch it around depending on the the wind direction and conditions? That's a great question because uh, I've actually been fortunate to do it both ways in both directions, and I think the first year we were. Tim, I think the plan was unless there's really strong winds one way, we were going to definitely go from Xi'an to Becky. So because mm. we thought that there was a current and maybe that would help us. And, you know, that was pretty much the set plan. Um, the second, I think we realized that there's not really a, a strong flow throughout most of the lake to help you with that. So we went we started the other way. And I actually, I honestly think it was more to be being better mentally equipped and better physically trained but um, the time going in the other direction was much faster. So, okay. so you put the logistical side, I found it so much easier to be in Geneva, leaving from Xi'an and coming back because then you're near your, your base camp, you got everything to mm -hmm. unload. Uh, the experience of just rolling into Bandapaki is, is gorgeous. You know, there's just so many people there excited. You're announced over the loudspeaker. Um, so I think like there's, there's, some some points to going that direction that I think are, are very nice and make the swim special. Can you speak to that, Tim? Like how you guys choose direction or if that's set? Um, no, it's not set. And I think, um, as Jamie said, she's done both directions. Um, Arik is definitely right. If you um, start in Geneva, there's a lot of People have stayed in both. They've stayed. We've had people stay in Geneva, or people stay in Villeneuve, which is right by the castle on the other end. Um, and obviously, there's a lot more choice in Geneva. It's a big city, um, and also when you finish, um, it's a lot easier. You can just get a cab, or you can walk. There's accommodation really nearby. You can walk, um, and you're you're obviously tired. So um, that's something to bear in mind. Um, I think it's down to preference if you want to get up a bit earlier and take the train over or if you want to just be at the start already when things um, are on the day. Um, but um, And then in terms of the water itself, like, uh, yeah, I've heard mixed reports from people about, um, you know, currents this way, currents that way and stuff. But generally, I wouldn't rely on a current to carry you to Geneva. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people do talk about um, water flow from the, the Rhone going um, along the north edge of the, the lake, which is the Swiss side. Um, 
because um, it kind of uh, sweeps in and then round. But um, then, uh, to be honest, um, I think it's minimal. And um, if you go on the north side of the lake, you've got more distance over ground that you're, you're traveling, right? So um, if you go along the south side, it's a, a, a shorter direct line that you're doing. So um, kind of probably six or one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time. We just have time for maybe one more question. There's one in the chat about, um, can you have a personal crew kayaking with you for the Classic? The classic, yes, we've had uh, we've had that before, um, and it's not a problem. The um, it's one that we normally discuss with our safety officers, um, and um, typically the way it goes is you've got um, kayakers who are um, part of the safety team, and so they're not dedicated to one swimmer, and that means that you might not be kayaking along next to the same swimmer the whole time as mm. things ebb and flow um if you want to have your own kayaker come alongside with you that's absolutely fine and typically what we say to them is um you're not part of the safety team as such so you're um obviously there to support your swimmer and that's fine um we'll we'll ask for the experience that they have as a kayaker because the last thing we want is to have to be rescuing more people um, yeah. because uh, they come to help out and then they actually get into trouble. It's a, it's a big, it's a big crossing. And I think people can think, Oh yeah, I'll just paddle alongside. It, you know, it, you need some experience. Yeah. Um, but absolutely. I mean, we've had that before and it's typically not been a problem. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, um, as much as I want to be like, Oh, let's ask questions all day. I want to be respectful of everyone's time too. And say, thank you so much for this idea, Jamie. It was so wonderful to meet you, Tim. I really hope I can come visit you. Likewise. Swim. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, some other thank yous in the chat. So thank you guys so much. Um, and there'll be a recording of this out, um, in a, in a couple of days on the marathon swim stories website that I'm just getting up and going. So send over. And guys, if you ever had have questions, feel free to reach out or here, you know, I know we, it's the middle of the work day for in, in the U S at least, but, um, you know, we're both reachable on social media, me more than ours, but, um, <laughs> please do reach out if we can help with anything or, Contact Yaisa on the LGSA website. Yeah. Uh, the contact form is really easy. It's it's like instantaneously, and she is lovely to deal with. Much more helpful than than we are. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I hope you all have a great evening or morning or afternoon wherever you are. <laughs> Take Thank care. you, Shannon, Thank for organizing. Great Shannon. program. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks everyone. So much. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye guys. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. More than just a podcast, did you know that you can watch Marathon Swim Stories on YouTube? Or join us. We meet on Tuesdays at 5.30 a.m. Pacific, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 13.30 GMT. Check out intrepidwater.com forward slash Marathon Swim Stories to see who's up next. Thank you for listening.